beauty is not another jar of something you're applying to your face. It's not even a quality. It's right. a communion. It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's a relationship with yourself. It's a relationship to the world around you. It's a relationship to how you feel. You're listening to the Good Dirt Podcast. This is a place where we dig into the nitty gritty of sustainable living through food, fashion, and lifestyle. And we're your hosts, Mary and Emma Kingsley, the mother and daughter founder team of Lady Farmer. We're sowing seeds of slow living through our community platform, events, and online marketplace. We started this podcast as a means to share the wealth of information and quality conversations that we're having in our world as we dream up and deliver ways for each of us to live into the new paradigm, one that is regenerative, balanced, and whole. We want to put the microphone in front of the voices that need to be heard the most right now. The farmers, the dreamers, the designers, and the doers. So come cultivate a better world with us. We're so glad you're here. Now, let's dig in. Emma, what does the word renegade mean to you? Well, when I think about the word renegade, I usually think of a person, but I guess it can also be a concept or an idea, but really anything that just goes against the grain or is brave to speak out and do something against the norm and not conventional. Yeah. To me, it means being outside the dominant narrative to look at something from a different perspective, which is the unique gift of our guest today. Nadine Artemis of Living Libations, which is a holistic beauty and skincare company based in Canada. Nadine is not only a veteran in the world of holistic beauty with decades of experience and research to back up everything about her products, but she is a visionary and a gifted communicator as well as the author of the book, Renegade Beauty. It is a wonderful book in which Nadine takes on the conventional cultural concept of beauty and the industry surrounding it and expands it into, to use her words, the idea of cosmoetics versus cosmetics or something that incorporates all of the vibrancy of life and the universe and translates it into formulas for her products. And these are not typical beauty products that are primarily looking to, you know, make your wrinkles go away or solve this or that problem. They're really about establishing a communion with the essence of vitality that surrounds us. And from that communion or a relationship with true vibrancy, we see an improvement in our skin and our hair and our teeth and anything else. And it's really about feeling good and connecting with our environment and connecting with ourselves and just as a reminder, nothing on this podcast is ever intended to be taken as medical advice. These are just ideas and things that we were thinking about. Yes. And I personally have found that when we allow ourselves the opportunity to widen the lens, so to speak, on these topics of our times, we not only have the opportunity to use our own intuition and agency in discerning what our own truth is, but we get to avail ourselves to the vast store of creativity and inspiration that surrounds us everywhere and in turn helps each of us to find our own ways of making the world a better place. Yeah, so let's turn it over to Nadine as she shares the story of listening and following that creative spark into a truly inspiring and amazing career that is still thriving and as relevant as it has been for the past 30 years. So here's Nadine. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're really excited. I was so anticipating this and I'm enjoying your book so much. It's more like a reference book to me. First of all, why don't you tell us something about your story and how you got to where you are today as the creator of Living Libations? Yeah, well, it's such a, a vast and varied tale. I'm sometimes never too sure where to jump into but definitely spent my teenage years just doused in totally normal body care world. <laughs> and I got all the hand-me-downs from my mother and my sister. So it was actually, even as a little girl, it was always like blending 
stuff in my mother's bathroom. I mean, to no good <laughs> end, but I had that inclination. And then in my teens, I would like just, you know, mash eyeshadows and mix it with the lip balm and trying to create different colors and stuff. But it was a little more grounded in once I was doing a science fair project and we got to pick our own subject. And I found this book on perfumery. It was geared more towards kids. And so it was just like that. For, oh, like this is where it comes from. Oh, like it's, you know, generally perfumes are made from plant distillates and there's things called essential oils and you could probably find them at a health food store. So then we made the big journey to a health food store because there were a lot less back then. And then I got my first whiff of jasmine, ylang, orange, lemongrass. And it just you know, it really resonated with me in a really fresh way. At that time, I didn't quite get the delineation between like natural and synthetic, but I knew this spoke to me on a different level. And I also felt like, oh, now I have the building blocks of things, you know, and then I still was in my teen years and stuff, but it was really then when I got to university and, you know, I'm eating and cooking for myself and I was skipping school one day watching. I was like, you know, first year, it's so hard to figure out like the right courses or the whole navigating the system. And I didn't have the right courses. And then the next year I got into women's studies. And that was so great because then we were learning about our bodies and like even had a book called The Beauty Myth or what medical and physical stuff did our bodies go through in the lack of understanding of female bodies or, you know, the thoughts of understanding it in different cultures, even in our own culture, you know, whether it's thalidomide or lead in our lipstick, you know, all of this story and trauma sort of placed on the female body. I found very much, you know, a lot of that coming from beauty, you know, quote unquote, you know, all and all that we think goes with that and all that we do in the name of beauty, but that isn't. And that is actually, you know, causing our bodies to suffer or, you know, we're doing putting on cream in the name of beauty and, and preventing wrinkles. Yet the ingredients we're using are surely going to make for more wrinkles 10, 20 years down the line. And so I got to study that in the following year, which made sense back to me skipping school. And then I'm watching the talk show and Lisa Bonet is on it and she's an actor and she was talking about like food and like how it was like related to the environment and our health. And that was, seems really normal now, but it was revolutionary. You know, we didn't know that it took like 50 gallons of water to like whatever, raise a cow or, and I could be way off on those stats, you know, just like the environmental, it was awakening and pesticides and that whole thing and how pesticides are like stored in the fat more. And it was just really awakening. And then I was like understanding processed foods and it was really in a whole period of a month. I kind of never went back to non-organic non-processed. Luckily there was a farmer's market in town. Luckily I lived on the same street as this tiny little health food store that was in a house called grains and beans and things. I walked by every day. I would get every bean. I got every book eventually. And one of those books was about how to read the supermarket, like food labels. And that was revolutionary because to just, that's like a whole world, like just to dissect what we're eating, what's on a label, what's food, what isn't food, that brown sugar is like white sugar with molasses, that there is stuff in all brand that pretty much resembles cardboard, you know, and that stuff's only gotten fancier as, you know, we've moved on because that's almost like 30 years ago. So it was revolutionary for food. And, you know, I was a student, had time, so I'm like making my own food and that was awesome. And then I kind of just looked over to the bathroom and all the green products I thought I had from the body shop was just total BS. But it had weaves on it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it was green. <laughs> and the palette and the textures did seem a bit different from other stuff. But really, when you look at the label, the fuzzy peach bath oil had never been impeached. The cucumber face toner never saw a cucumber. The pineapple face scrub had no pineapples in it. And it's just like, you know, and again, with the labels, even growing up when I turned over, you know, cause you're in the bath reading your labels or whatever. And it's just all those words that you can't really pronounce anyway. And you never saw anything else. You didn't really know anything else, but in that moment, it's like these pathways opened up and also back to that grade nine science fair project and working with the essential oils. So then I just endeavored to really find, you know, all the raw materials that I could. And I was reading a lot 
because luckily I wasn't that engaged with school that first year. (laughs) And I was like reading all these like older books on like from the 18th century on cosmetics, which were really looking at like ancient cultures, cosmetics. And I find that era fascinating because that was sort of, they were looking back and that was just before the turn of the 19th century, which then we move into like the synthetics where then we start looking at nature for like the isolates that we can make. And then that's sort of a different path, but you know, for millions of years, but thousands of years of however long we've had civilization, I don't know, (laughs) but for, (laughs) for all of that time, it's like plants were used and sort of like the Egyptian priests were also the perfumers. So there was a real union between, you know, plant matter and spirit and body hygiene, so to speak, you know? So it was just, it was a lot more seamless, but it was those raw materials that I just found so fun to work with. And then if I would read about an ancient recipe or a plant or a distillate and I couldn't find it, then I had to, I had to find it. And I also had fun like remaking older formulas that were in those books, because I was like, well, why did they put it together? Like as much as I could remake something from an ancient Egyptian recipe, like the kaifi or something and find those ingredients. It was just so cool to get a whiff of what sort of might've been experienced in that time of antiquity and how it was applied to the body. So those were really fascinating years where I got to just explore and make, and just from that moment on, just made my own body care. And then uh, was selling it to friends and family in university. And it was really loved and it was effective. It was doing stuff. So you could put on a body leg moisturizer. And then I had stuff that would help like spider veins and stuff from waitressing or the foot cream was cooling or like acne was going away. Faces were glowing. So that was really great. And then as soon as I graduated, I knew, I mean, before I graduated, I knew my mission. And so you know, you think university ends around April, you get out. And then I had North America's first full concept aromatherapy store running in Toronto in 1992. Wow. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm so curious as to how back in 1992 and before when you were doing all your exploring, how did you source these things? I mean, where would you even I know begin? it was before the internet and I can yeah. hardly like, I mean, I can't imagine it because I did it, but it's like, how, yeah. <laughs> you know? And again, even like, it was fun. Cause I definitely feel like one of the things I also learned in university was, you know, really honing in writing skill and research skills, mm-hmm. even though you don't go to the library stacks anymore and look things up on like cue cards and computers and go through wonder the different hallways and find books. <laughs> it doesn't really, I'm sure that's like happening for some people, but it's just such a different way to engage with information. But I remember like, I didn't even have a laptop then I had like a, like almost a typewriter before a laptop anyway, you know, made up this letterhead and wrote a little letter about like wanting to, you know, I just made this cover letter and then I just sent it to kind of a lot of places on the planet to distillers. I wrote to consulates and found out the distillers in those countries and looked for organic distillers and stuff. It was a lot of letters. Wow. Gosh, where did you even know where to write? I mean, how did you even know about where to write? Yeah. So some of them, I found resources and books and stuff that would then lead me to things. And then it was like working with, yeah, consulates and different countries and they know who their distillers are. And then like a lot of distillers have been around for like a long time. Some of the, even in the nineties, I was working with like third or fourth generation distillers. So are you still in contact with some of those original sources? Oh, so many of them are still our main suppliers. That's just such a great story. None of our distillers have stopped. Wow. And I'll bet they were surprised to hear from you. Here's this young girl. (laughs) Well, they didn't, it was a letter. I mean, I don't think they knew that, you know, I think that was good. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I remember even like designing a little logo, a little letterhead, and then like just writing this letter. Some people just thought it was the sweetest thing. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that cute? She thinks she's going to have a business. (laughs) And guess what? Well, I almost feel like it's a totally different podcast. And so I don't want to get too far into it, but it's amazing, especially the essential oil industry, like everything that's happened kind of since you've started. And yeah, although really that was all there before, it's just sort of grown. And also at that time, I think the book was written in the 50s by Vavode, this French book, and it really went into the quality and 
how things could be adulterated Mm -hmm. or, you know what I mean? So it was like, that was one of the first books, but those sort of tricks of the food and flavor industry are still there and like way more refined since, Mm, you know what I mean? Cause that science keeps getting stronger and more refined. So the quote unquote nature identicals are, you know, a huge thing. And then there's like adulteration and folding and refracting of essential, like a whole bunch of stuff, you know, but that's not what we use. And really also what I learned then too, is like the world, you know, the distillation of essential oils, most of the production isn't for this exquisite pure aromatherapy, right? A lot of it's kind of like normal agriculture practices to sort of mass growing and mass distilling, or they're distilling stuff for you know, like you'll make menthol from the original material and that gets isolated, you know, so sometimes the original plant matter is needed to make the synthetic plant matter. It's a whole thing. And it's like, it's there. And of course, that's not what I focus on because I'm focused on the real and I'm looking at the nuances within the real. So from my palette is all real. And then it's like, but still, what's the best lavender of the real lavenders? What's Mm. the finest rosado of all the beautiful, pure rosados? So that's what I'm into. And always, always the best, the finest quality. To me, that's the easiest thing to be committed to is the absolute best quality. And I find that that's just sort of opposite of business practices often because it's about the bottom line. And then not good quality or a lot of thought goes into like, how can what's inside the bottle be less expensive? Right, right. And I find that part irrelevant. It's going to be what it's going to be when we're, you know, using it because it's what's inside the bottle that obviously is very, very important. But somehow right now with marketing and marketing games, it's like more about the, what is the packaging or the label look like? And we get carried away by that, by that. And inside is just not worth a penny. Well, I guess you developed your audience and the, the learned to trust you and what you were doing that has been with you all these years, because there's certainly a lot of things that come down the pike that, that could have derailed your business. Like, you know, someone saying, oh, I can, well, look, there's lavender over here. I can get it at the corner store and it's not as expensive. Well, and there's been, you know, lots of sort of knockoffs or attempts of whatever, but the quality, because, you know, all our ingredients are there. And, mm-hmm. and I also wrote a book and I put a lot of formulas in there and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot that's not complicated, but quality. Yeah. And so your customers, your people must recognize it on a very deep level because there's a lot of people out there that wouldn't, like you just said, they're more interested in the, what the bottle looks like or the price or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but you obviously have a, a following that knows what you're about. I think so. <laughs> but something, <laughs> I think I also just came out of the gate yeah. with the best. So even at that young age and having the store, like I even found myself speaking at aromatherapy conferences and stuff in my twenties and finding just all these new colleagues because they also respected the quality that we had with essential oils. So they even knew that we were the real deal. Mm. And that was really neat. That's so inspiring and heartening to see in my perspective, you're this big company and you have all this distribution and so many people know you, but it's like, (laughs) You're small. Yeah, we're really still, it's a beautiful company and it's obviously bigger every year since yeah. back in 1992, but it's still a small company. You operate with heart and with the integrity, I guess is the best word, the yeah, integrity definitely. of the product and what you're doing in the world. I love how even just in your story telling about how you came to it, you came from all these other places, from food and from the way that you were just engaging with your environment in general. And my experience of the brand is that it's a lot like that as well. Your book, Renegade Beauty, has chapters on chapters of all sorts of things that it's not about makeup. You know? yeah. <laughs> right. And then your dental care book, Holistic Dental Care. So I guess all I'm trying to say is as a brand and as a human what you're doing in the world is it's all encompassing and it's so full and really beautiful. And it's such a gift. It is a gift oh, that you took you. the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> to have something thank you can you. like, you really know what it is. Yeah. 
I want to talk about the term renegade beauty. And I think anybody that reads the book will get it. Like, what do you mean by that? But I'd like to hear you talk about that (laughs) and how you came up with the term. Well, I feel like that moment we talked about, you know, coming from normal teen cosmetic world and then diving and understanding the whole connectedness of everything. And that's when my beauty got renegade. And I feel that, you know, beauty is not another jar of something you're applying to your face. It's not even a quality. It's a communion. It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's a relationship with yourself. It's a relationship to the world around you. It's a relationship to how you feel. And that, of course, we've got some tips along the way to take care of like skin and teeth. But I like connecting it to the bigger picture because, you know, it's not another jar of something that's really going to ultimately revive us, revive our spirit. We've got to go outside and like just outside our door and engage with the elements because that's, you know, it's like the earth. So the gifts from the earth as in good food or, you know, the beautiful libations that we get to make from rose and jasmine, that kind of stuff. And then there's air, you know, fresh air and sunshine and water or having a bath. And when we can engage with those elements, those gifts from the cosmos, and I think of that as something like a cosmoetic, because cosmetics are something we apply, but cosmetic is the substance of the universe that we're engaging in. And through that, we can revive ourselves and our being, which is to me more of the root and the foundation to feeling and being renegade beauty. I wonder if you would want to talk about how your views sort of veer off from things we always hear all the time. Like, you know, you would get in your typical women's magazine, this is what you're supposed to do, et cetera, et cetera. And here's Nadine saying, well, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one thing I think in our culture, like in our Western modern culture, I think, well, we're starting to see like, it's very symptom based. And really with life, I like to see like, you know, what's the question before the question with a thought before the thought, what is the foundation or the root, like why this is occurring. And so a lot of our sort of current, whatever systems for taking care of our bodies are very much managing symptoms and not looking at the root of things. So in my inquiries into like, trying to figure out how to care for myself. I'm always looking at like stepping back, going broad, and then asking like, you know, what is the design of the body here? Before we put on all our marketing and advertising and it needs this and it needs that, let's just step back and look at that. And again, even biology, right? Even that's been interpreted and maybe made after the male model for many decades and stuff. So again, we have to just keep peeling back the layers and trying to get the answers. So with sun, It's like, well, there's all this caution, but Mm -hmm. the reality we can see all around us is that without the sun, there would be no life. (laughs) So why (laughs) is this giver of life also this death star? Yeah. And so, you know, starting out with those questions and then really looking (laughs) at, so then we bring in looking at history and biology and science. And then I do, I love the book format because I can really go deep and then, you know, quote the New England Journal of Medicine and all that, because we've got, it's a pretty big program that, you know, the skin is going to be the harbinger of all doom on the skin. So we've got to like really peel back the layers if we're going to suggest otherwise. And so what we can know from looking at all these things is that, yeah, the sun is responsible for all life on the planet. And so we wouldn't be alive without it. And there's also things like thousands of vitamin D receptors all over our body. Mm-hmm. And they need to be brimming with vitamin D for our immune system to be optimal. And what we also know is that there's been over 3,000 studies, probably more now, that show that we need sufficient vitamin D levels to prevent a whole slew of disease and decay in the body, including tooth decay including, you know, bone health, that kind of stuff. We know that if we have sufficient vitamin D levels, our risk of breast cancer is slashed by 50%, which is huge because I think even avoiding alcohol maybe slashes it by 15%. So now, you know, you can have a margarita in the sun. (laughs) 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 So we know that we know that if we don't have sufficient vitamin D in our vitamin D receptors, that bacterial lingons can come in. They're very sticky and they kind of shut down the whole immune system. For example, we also know when we engage in the sun that yes, there is this vitamin D is created 
And it's a different type of vitamin D than the supplement we get at the store, which is a fat soluble vitamin D. Mm -hmm. And the sun on skin situation creates a water soluble form of vitamin D. It creates a very healthy and necessary cholesterol sulfate. And vitamin D really isn't even a vitamin. That's just what it was named, but it's really a precursor to a hormone in the body. And so when we have the right amount of sun and we're not overdoing it, then it's actually kind of juicy. It's like a juicy thing. It's like a liquid lubrication from the inside out. It helps our microbiome, you know, produces antimicrobial peptides, creates this one peptide called LL37, which is a short chain amino acid, which literally prevents cytokine storms in the body, for example. So there's so much going on that we know about that is so essential and positive for the body. And there's going to be so much more that we're going to discover. We don't even know all of the wavelengths in a sunbeam right now. And what we also now know, I think in the 90s, when I was approaching sunscreen, that kind of thing, and we, we knew about the chemicals and that, you know, so there's like, you know, fertility issues and a whole bunch of things that would, if you really went into it, you wouldn't want to use those chemicals. And one of the main ingredients that is now banned in your oxybenzene, but it's still in a lot of sunscreens. And this is killing the coral reefs, not from the pollution in the ocean, but literally from bodies slathered in sunscreen in hot spots where like the Australian coral reef and the area around Hawaii that they banned that uh, type of sunscreen in Hawaii, for example. So, I mean, this it's catching up, like it can't be soon enough. So the other issue besides the chemicals, which is enough in my opinion, but that might just make some people scared and go, great, okay, well, I'm not gonna use sunscreen and I'm not gonna engage with the sun either because we think it's gonna cause all this other stuff to our skin, which we don't want. Meanwhile, using the sunscreen is aging us. In the book, I have one study, it's like from the Cochrane Review, which is the amalgamate studies and then create a study out of those studies. And I'm generalizing here, but generally through the use of sunscreen, more moles, more freckles and more skin dysbiosis. When we use sunscreen, it divides the reception of the rays. So we, instead of getting UVA and UVB together, It filters out the UVB, it filters out the vitamin D producing UVB, what we need. And we just get UVA and UVA on its own is skin damaging. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that's like, you know, you're a trucker and you got just, you're, you know, driving all the time. And that one arm by the window Mm -hmm. has more freckles because the window is filtering out the rays and you're just getting the UVA. Yeah. I heard that recently that the window does that. What would you advise? Like, look at my daughter here. She's like red hair, (laughs) blue eyes. Her skin is like, you know, very, very fair. And uh, I guess Emma, your entire childhood, we were slathering all over you, you know, and I don't know. What do you tell someone like that? I'm fair, but not as (laughs) fair. You want to start slowly and start in the spring. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe it's just five, 10 minutes at a time. And then you build up and you just slowly, but surely build up the melanin layer. Oh, wow. So you really do like build resistance because obviously I'm assuming burning is bad. Yeah. So, you know, we're not advocating sun burning or like ridiculous amounts, but like it's still, you'd be amazed at what you can actually drink in. Uh And it wasn't until about three summers ago, I said to him, I was like, oh. I lose by August. I'm like, I feel like I'm finally really saturated. It was, it happened to be a very sunny summer and we use the vitamin D app. I mean, it was a D minder oh, and you, yeah, it just, it takes in your latitude, longitude, and you can put like, you know, generally how much body you're exposing, like what percentage, if you're naked or if you have a bikini, that kind of thing. And then it will tell you how long that day, um, based on your longitude and latitude that you need to be in the sun to get the vitamin D. And so we go by that, but I start, even though we're in Canada and there's snow all around many feet of it, the vitamin D is coming back into the sun's rays here mid-February. Wow. Is there still vitamin D if it's like, if you're in a place like Seattle where it's cloudy? No, you got to have no cloud. I mean, like there is some through the cloud, but we're talking like, you know, obviously you can get sun on cloudy days and through the clouds, but the Seattle gray blanket, no, you're not getting. So it is generally on the sunny days. So it's not going to be every day as well. 
So you got to, you know, when you build up, Mm -hmm. like in February, if I were to lie out to get the whole, what I needed, I'd be doing about four hours a day, which I didn't do, but that's like, you know, but I was just slowly building it up. And do you supplement at all? I mean, do you take like supplement vitamin D? Yeah. Usually I can see when it's running out. I can feel when it's running out, but I can get vitamin D till about mid November. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you are like a battery. You can store it up. Yeah. Like right now I have extra and I'm storing it, you know, it'll go like in between sunny days and then I try and build it back up. So I'm building, building all I can. I squeeze out every drop I can until mid-November. And normally we go away February, but of course this year we didn't. And, but then I really looked up because we're not normally here in February. I was like, oh, I kind of thought it started in March, but I was like, oh my God, eight more days and I can start again. So that was really important for me this year because we didn't have that trip. So at the moment I could get the vitamin D, I was like opening up our sliders, you know, and I'd just be like half in the house and half on the deck. It was maybe minus 20 outside, oh my God, but wow. I was getting the sun. <laughs> so you said you could tell when you're running low. What does that feel like? What are your symptoms, so to speak? Well, I can literally tell because of the D-Minder app, but I can feel by January, I just feel like my immune system, you know, doesn't quite have that yeah. solid, solid footing. Would you say you also feel it like a craving? Like, oh, yeah, this there you see the sun and you just like go outside and have to be in it for a minute because it just feels like, oh, yeah, you just need to do that. Which I feel also is like the the advice that we get is a bit against how we feel. That was the thing, too. Like, even as a teen, I was like, I get what you're all saying, but I feel so good and I feel happy. And I feel good when I have that little hint of like glow and melanin from my engagement with the sun. It's almost too like you always feel like it's with you, you know, and we really can store it for a bit. And so, yeah, by January, I'm usually adding some vitamin D and stuff. Also, we got to remember it's a relationship. So what are we bringing to that sunshine moment? And yeah, if you're fueled on Coca-Cola and Mazzola, that might not be the best body to be suntanning in, you know, corn, soy, canola, the processed polyunsaturated fatty acids show to be one of the biggest harbingers of premature aging wrinkles and hyperpigmentation of any of our, what we're doing to our bodies. So that is the number one. We've been given such a line about the vegetable oils being the healthier ones. and Well, we have to look at what size is the industry behind the product. Mm -hmm. Not always an issue, Mm -hmm. but often, if it's especially coming out of our past 50 years of um, commerce. What about those um, mineral sunscreens like the zinc oxide? Yeah. So everybody loves the sunshine and we make a golden tanning oil. And that is just like juicy and it can now for your beautiful hail reflection (laughs) and red hair, (laughs) you can use it, but it might just edge you out to like, oh, 10 more minutes of suntanning. But for a a Mediterranean person might be like, this is all I need all day. Okay. Okay. So, but that brings in the sun, you're getting the vitamin D and it's not an SPF. It's not a sunscreen because that literally SPF is only for chemicals. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's like a whole other thing. However, metaphorically, it's like a six or a seven. And that's like jojoba oil, olive oil, coconut oil. And those beautiful plant oils are like a natural six or a seven without doing anything to them. Then we're adding in things like red raspberry seed oil, which seems to show to scatter the sun's rays. Mm. Some people say it's like an equivalent to like a 25. Mm. It's just good for harmonizing And because we're not blocking, we're not screening, we're joining, we're like receiving the sun's rays and we're helping them land and be drunken into the body, so to speak. And with that, we add like other essential oils that are very good for sun damage, like previous things or melasma. And it's calming if for some reason you got a little bit of a burn, that kind of thing. Now, also, we don't want to burn, but if you do burn, your body can deal with that. It's got a whole system to deal with that much easier than it can than processing dealing with like six hours in the sun with sunscreen and chemicals. And is it correct that the the morning sun, like sunrise and those early morning hours are particularly good quality sunlight? Yeah, it's quality in so many ways, but really your tanning window, I mean, you can tan 
whenever you wish. But the juicy time is from the morning till solar noon, yeah, which can be, you know, noon one or two in your area. And so, you know, you don't have to get out the sun at noon per se, like 12 o'clock here, because it might go to one. But also if you are tanning at noon, that actually might be a pretty efficient window where you can get more in at a shorter time, right? Because then if you're just starting your, you know, tanning at 8.30, then, you know, the same amount, you know what I mean? But if yeah, you, yeah, I yeah. like lying in the sun. So I'm very happy to have extended moments and go for a swim. And then I come out and like oil my body up with the, everybody loves the sunshine. And, and I'm kind of pay, like my lineage is English and French. Mm-hmm. So the English side's pretty, pretty white. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, as a kid, I felt like I kind of burned easily, but uh-huh. in the past 10 years, I feel like I've, you know, built up. So even by January, it's like, it's all faded, but I still have like a base layer that just seems different than before. Ever since I received my bottle of Everybody Loves the Sun, I've been going out, you know, early in the morning, just after sunrise and putting my lawn chair to face the sunrise. Mm. It is this certain part of the yard. And uh, I've just been enjoying that so much. What a great way to start your day. Yeah. And, and just trying to, you know, listen to my body. And when it, you know, feels too hot, like, okay, you've had enough. Okay. Yeah. You know, that's... Sunscreen takes away our warning signs. Yeah. We don't know when the skin's getting a bit pink, you know, that kind of stuff. So, and we're kind of anesthetizing the skin. So we don't want to like soften or numb the edges of our knowing our body. I'm just so grateful for this like reframing of that whole thing. Yeah. Oh, and I just wanted to add that the zinc, so we also made it everybody loves sunshine with zinc. So it's like take the oil, add in zinc. And if you can use zinc, but it's a sun block. So it's not a sunscreen. It literally Blocks uh, the it. sun yeah bounces off the zinc. Yeah. So it literally is like deflecting the rays. And you're not absorbing them. And then it is, it's a natural solution. We just don't really have anything in between. Yeah. But at that point too, I just, you know, my face, I like tanning my face, but it obviously can't stay in the sun as long as my legs. So, you know, I just use a hat or something like that after a while, because I want to stay in the sun longer. Mm -hmm. And then the zinc you can use, you know, if you've got extended periods of time in the sun, surfing, that kind of thing. I find it fairly easy to find these days, which is encouraging the like mineral zinc sunscreens. That- yeah. So you want to look for, it's got to be a non-nanoized zinc. Okay. And often because it's in the health food store or whatever, I find that it's paired with, and it's rancid. So then all the other oils that are with it, it's just rancid. Ugh. So you want to look, yeah, for that kind of quality of the zinc and then quality of the other ingredients yeah. with it. And it's yeah. crazy, like you put it on and it doesn't rub in. <laughs> no, I know. I mean, it's definitely an improvement over the like lifeguard stripe of zinc down the nose. Right. But yeah, it can create a white cast, but it definitely protects naturally. You know, a lot of people have been programmed to like, if they're walking from like the mall to their car, mm-hmm. that there must be sunblock on. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm saying like that women are supposed to start their day. And even if they're only going to be walking outside for 15 minutes in that day, better start the day with the sunscreen or the sunscreen foundation. Mm-hmm. And all I'm saying is you can handle it. You can handle those 15 minutes. Yeah. And you can let your skin breathe, you know, but really when you're also working with all these richly pigmented, beautiful oils, even like our facial serums create, I mean, add a little bit of that sun harmonizing. Well, also if your skin is nourished yeah, and then it has the ability to handle the environment rather than it's just, just being, you're just putting just this junk on it and it's, you know, sort of struggling to deal with that. Yeah. Well, it's like we've been applying things to be this sort of armor, mm-hmm. yeah. whether it's an armor from protection of aging or this sort of armor of protection of like the sun or the environment or things. Mm-hmm. And it's just not the right approach or it's just, it's a strange approach because then the skin isn't breathing. Yeah. And there's no so relationship. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then it's like, if we've cut out, cause every part of our body is like having some kind of respiration, mm. not like the lungs, but like the teeth breathe, the skin breathes. And we need to allow that we most, like if you've got petroleum or a polymer, 
in a product, it's like kind of having an invisible layer of saran wrap on the skin. Well, that's like wearing uh, clothes with synthetic fibers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like a polyester underwear or something where you're not breathing. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, or just like people that like, oh, they have a foot odor problem or an arm odor problem, underarm odor problem. And I'm just like, well, first of all, like, you know, if you've got poly in your sock or your shirt, like if it's a Mm -hmm. poly cotton blend in your t-shirt, you're going to have smellier pits. Mm -hmm. So first get to the hundred percent cotton shirt. When, if you've got feet in like poly socks and in synthetic shoes, yeah, they're going to be smelly, but wool socks, cotton socks, most of the problem solved. Well, you know, for so long, you know, we've sort of gotten accustomed to the word synthetic or blends or acetate or polyester, all those kind of things. And what I think it's helpful for people to understand that those are actually forms of plastic. <laughs> you know, is this another, you know, it's just fancy word for plastics and plastics don't breathe. But speaking of your products, your products and your descriptions of them, when I first <laughs> saw your you know, website and was reading about it, I was like, who writes these? And it's you. <laughs> it is. <laughs> oh my gosh. You really take it to another level in a very real way. And it's like, oh, this is beautiful. They're and so uh, engaging. They're you. so engaging and, and descriptive. We should each they are like top two favorite that we're using right now. Oh, so I would love like <laughs> Okay. We were going to, I was going to ask you. <laughs> yeah, we're going to ask you, but we should say right. ours. So everybody loves the sun and then the rose serum, which mm-hmm. just makes me so happy. I think, I don't know. You just put certain things on your skin and it's just like your skin's, does this make sense for your skin to say yes? <laughs> you know, you rub it on yes. and your skin's going, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The pores and the bacteria are like, oh, thank So you. <laughs> my skin says yes with the rose serum. And yes. my whole body says yes with the everybody loves the sun. And also I'm going to cheat and do one more. Okay. Go. <laughs> Something about the tooth, the gumdrops. Oh, the happy oh, gumdrops. Happy to, yeah. Oh, okay. So at first I wasn't sure what to do with that. And then I was reading about it and I realized, gosh, this can be anything. This can be just like a little mouth yeah. refresher or, um, you know, a gum a massage or a mouthwash. And I'll tell this little story. My husband yeah. does listen to the podcast, so maybe he <laughs> won't mind. But notice he came home from the store the other day with the typical big jar of mouthwash that he's gotten for you know many, many years, despite being married to me. <laughs> but that's okay. You know, each to their own. And so I said, before you open that, I have something for you to try that you might really like. And I don't know the end of that story because (laughs) that was this morning. (laughs) (laughs) But I was hoping that maybe he would try the gumdrops as a mouthwash. Yeah. And I asked him about it when I saw it and he said, yeah, well, you need the fluoride. So I want you to talk about fluoride after Emma tells her favorite products, and then we're going to sure. have you tell your favorite products. Sorry. Okay, sure. <laughs> so mine here. are definitely the Rose Glow Serum. That was like the first thing that I got from you guys that yeah. I tried. And it's really amazing. So amazing that I also most recently got the Best Skin Ever, the Rose Best Skin Ever, yeah. which I'm not even sure I completely understand the difference, but I use them the way that it says to. So the, the Best Skin Ever. Serum, well, it's a few different ingredients, but the okay. serums are a little more concentrated, but you can okay. literally use them in the same way. Like, okay. remember I was telling you at the beginning, like I use yes. the Rose Glow Serum all over my body sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So I use the Best Skin Ever sort of as a, like a cleanser. So I yeah, put it totally. on and with a a uh, slightly dampened washcloth sort of wipe my face and then you maybe put it. more on. And then, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the serum I use kind of like a, as a moisturizer or everything. Yeah. So I love those. And then I love, actually, this is kind of a random one, but I love the moon shimmer. It's like a lip balm yeah. and a highlighter. Yeah. You can even do like the brows. Up here, yes. Like the brow bone. Yeah. And then I also love the Poetic Pits, the, the yeah. roll-on deodorant oils. They're amazing. Which ones did you get? I love the rose one. Yeah. I love, there's the classic one. I love the way that that smells. And don't they work for days? Yes. Like until your next shower. Yes. If you're not showering every day. Yes. Yeah. They're amazing. And I love the way that they smell. And I haven't used it in a while, but I know the feeling of when you use regular deodorant, it doesn't feel good in your armpit. It's kind of like, like it kind of like dries up or it does something weird. I don't know. And so I just love using those oils. They totally work. So is Best Skin Ever the one that can 
that says it's a cleanser and a moisturizer? Yeah. So we have a beautiful array of best skin evers. And yeah, on one level, it's the bottle that could do it all. You could literally, okay. a man could shave a beard with it. You can do your whole body with it. And you can do, you know how you're doing the cloth, damp cloth? Mm-hmm with the best can ever to cleanse the face. Mm-hmm. That is so fun to do also when you get out of a bath or a shower because mm-hmm. you get that deeper but light exfoliation of the whole body. Mm-hmm. And then the oil just gets really drunken into that body or mm-hmm. like whatever the word is. So that's the fun thing about the best can ever or like when I have my massage, I just bring the bottle, you know, yeah. that's my massage oil as well. This week we're launching a new best can ever oh. with Immortal. So it's Immortal Best Skin Ever. It is gorgeous. And it's also good for sensitive skin or people that love our sandalwood Best Skin Ever, which is for more sensitive skin or mature skin. You really, mm-hmm. it can be for any skin, but it specializes mm-hmm. in those areas. And then we've also made two new doodabs. So those are like little spot treatments or you can add them to serums or you can mix them with clay and make little, even like little spot masks and stuff. So those are extremely popular and well-loved. And I didn't know, cause we have four, we have zippity do dab, do dab, be do dab and jewel dab. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, calm, when calms and cools eczema, we've got one for like rosacea and scars and all that kind of stuff, hyperpigmentation. So, and we've really got, they're all complete. We cover each thing, but two new dew wanted to be made. So I must, uh, I've got to follow orders yes. and we have now have morning dew, which is like a sister to the dew dab, the classic formula, which is also good for melasma and hyperpigmentation, just a different set of botanicals, you know, which is sometimes just the shift people need. And the smell is divine. Like mm-hmm. I know we're going to get requests to perfume that and make it into other things. And then we've got Dew Queen, which it's got frankincense in it, but also Rose Auto, a nice amount and peppermint. And those two together are like a kind of a freezing analgesic. I mean, mild, not like this is not medicine or like pharmaceutical medicine, but yeah. very gentle kind of freezing which is what you just need sometimes with a little cut or a bite or a bruise. And I used to make it for just little custom bottles for like people or celebrities that were doing, there's a plasma facial. It's pretty cool because it's your own blood removed and then it goes into a little spinner and then the plasma is separated. So you have this juicy stem cell rich golden fluid I mean, if you're healthy, hopefully it is. And then that gets put back into the body. So in dental care, really good dentists use it after they've done an extraction or root canal or like clearing up an old one to regenerate that area, bring stem cells. So for the next six months, stem cells go to the area and help heal. You can use it for like knee injuries, but also there's a facial application. And so instead of like, I mean, I don't think it works like as magically and as fast as a Botox mm-hmm. situation. This is more like longer and more needles, but it's your own fluid going back in. Anyway, long story short, people need the free, that little bit of sort of coolness before the needles go in. And literally sometimes you can get a bit of bruising from the little micro needles, but it takes away all the bruising and swelling. Wow, that's oh my amazing. Gosh. Yeah. So now I'm going to combine a couple of questions. One of them is you're obviously a person that radiates just such well-being and beauty just in your life and your work. And so I was wondering, can you share with us something of like your daily practices like day in the life of Nadine. And that can include your favorite products. Yeah, we need to know your favorite products. We were going to ask you if you were stranded yeah. on a desert island, what would be your favorite product? So what are your daily well-being practices? Yeah, well, I like to integrate things into my life. I don't like things to be like a separate action. So to me, sort of the altar of my existence is like our whole existence. It's the land. It's the sun and the water. The whole home is like an altar, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, it's not, yes. but it is. So that's like, and so every time, I mean, I know I'm using the libations, so I know that's good, but it's like, I don't even feel like I need to even ritualize beauty care because it's already in this existence. It's mm. already beautiful. It's just about like, you know, taking that moment to apply it to the body. And so I really like to weave things in. So it's not like 
my self care is like a separate moment or like now I'm going to really spa down. I mean, for me to spa down, is just kind of like put oil on my hair and leave it there for a few days, you know, or like extra oil on my face and like sitting in the sun and like long baths. So that's sort of the spa for me. And right now though, because it's my main season. So for me, my self-care really involves around sunning and swimming and just being in nature. Yeah. You know, even so much that like just to work in nature. So I set up a little office on the dock, my little dock office for the summer and, you know, and then integrating meditation. But again, it's just something I do before I'm fully awake. I'm just in bed. I don't even sit up or it's like, I do it before bed or, you know, I have a moment, maybe an hour where I'm just sort of thinking, looking at the window throughout the day, not every day, <laughs> you know, that, so it's like, there's moments of meditation, but then I also just kind of, what is it like to sort of live meditatively Yes. rather than it, again, being this separate action. And I don't try and eat well, it's still, all the options are well, mm-hmm. you know, it's only good options here. Yeah. You don't restrict yourself. Um, I don't restrict myself. No, not at all. And so some people like I eat very clean and I have for like a couple of decades. So people may look at that and they go, Oh my God, you're so disciplined and stuff. And I'm like, I have zero discipline. When I feel the reality or the truth of something, then that is all the inspiration I need to have the energy to do it. If like something isn't agreeing with my body, it does not take effort to not eat it. Mm-hmm. So really, I try to not have effort in areas and where there is effort, it makes me think, okay, what's up here? Mm -hmm. So often you hear, you know, it's almost kind of a checklist, like a morning checklist of things you do every day to get a a good start or whatever. And then that (laughs) becomes restrictive. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hopefully I'm looking at the sunrise. Yeah. And getting some quiet time in Mm -hmm. and being with nature. And that's kind of it. So the ultimate in slow living is like really creating, curating the Mm -hmm. life you want to live all the time. Yeah. And that's a, you know, deep series of choices that for some reason for my life, even I can see now, I can see even things like being grade five, six, seven, where I was like, saw something was like, no. And then I didn't look back and I was like, no, but yes to this, yes to this, yes to this. I know my nose, like my dad had some nursing homes and stuff. So I saw that right Right. early on. And it's just like, no, we're not going to be 70 on drugs, watching TV in a building, hopefully. Uh But so when you know that, then it's like a whole bunch of other choices get made. So it's like just a series of choices that keep putting you in the spot you want to be. And also I remember Oprah a couple of years ago just said, A lot of people try and create a brand and there's like have the marketing meeting and then the concept. And then it's just like, okay, this is it. Mm -hmm. But as she explained it, which feels right, is it's a series of so many decisions and you keep sewing a thread of consistency through it all. And so I feel like even that with life choices. We like to remind people in this whole, you know, discussion of sustainability and slow living and that it really is all about the choice. I think, a lot of times we have a story about ourselves and our lives that we don't have a choice. And sometimes we don't, but there's always something that you have a choice in. You can choose your thoughts. Exactly. And you can choose how you're reacting. Totally. You can't always choose your circumstances, but just what you said, you can certainly choose how you're going to respond to that mm-hmm. and what you're going to make of it. And the choices in the products you use, you know, the choices of what you do with your time there. We might feel trapped by circumstances or whatever, but on going deeper and close reflection, there's something, there's something we can choose to take our life more in the direction that we dream about. Yeah. With each thought. Yes. Each little thought can be a micro step towards what you want. And it should be. The (laughs) only thing that stops that is your thoughts that are in the opposite direction. You did mention aging and I would love to know If you could just speak a little bit on your own thoughts about aging and how much time and energy we spend as a culture really just like trying to prevent it and what where that has led us and what that does and sort of just your own personal ethos around aging. Well, yeah, it ties into beauty so much, but it's not, you know, beauty and being isn't some goal to like stop age, you know, crashing against the rocks of time. We've got to just sort of soften that. 
we're definitely in a culture that is like obsessed with teenage maturity or like that, right? Yeah. Like something where it's just freeze it there, right? And now we're in an era of like, you know, teens getting Botox and stuff. So, you know, obviously I think about it, but again, to me, like beauty is a feeling. It's not like necessarily quality. It's a communion and it's a relationship. So we start with that premise and like, how do we feel? And we also know, I mean, we can think of many examples in our life where there isn't somebody that's like maybe, you know, not like a supermodel, like, wow, they're so beautiful. So we all know that that isn't beauty, but that's what we're marketed to. So there's sort of that to undo. And then just our whole self-esteem as a nation, you know, obviously I'm speaking a little bit more to women, but there's a lot going on there. And so if we can get underneath that, all of that, and also aging to me it's like about the body being healthy and then through that the glow and the beauty is going to come out but there's like in functional medicine they talk a lot about inflammaging and so oh, yeah. it's a lot about the inflammation that's aging really huh. and we don't have to live in an inflamed state and yeah. so much of what we do in the name of beauty inflames you know what we're putting on our skin daily and so I just think through, you know, we want to eliminate, but, you know, even as I talk about, you know, this and that chemical isn't good, but it's not like we're in an era where, sorry, no, even having fun with all your cosmetics and stuff, but it's like, we've got so many options now and it may seem like you're going through a narrowing, but when you go through that portal, there's like a whole meadow, there's a whole banquet of beauty and beautiful things to work with and anoint and ablutions for your body. That's really fun. Mm -hmm. And then with that aging, we've just got to keep not getting out of the way, getting out of the way of our body systems and allowing the body to rejuvenate itself. That's what we got to explore things like meditation or tapping into the elements because it isn't another bottle, a vitamin, quite frankly, or a cream that's going to revive the spirit and the cells. And that's what we need to think about first before the cream. What's your relationship to the elements, to the cosmos? So, and once you go into that meadow you're speaking about, you don't go back. And it's not because you're disciplined or no. holding yourself back. It's because you've discovered this world, like, you know, like you were saying about the food you eat. Like once you go there, it's not a holding back or restraining yourself. It's like, no, no. this is it. This is where I am. I want every morsel to count and to taste good on my yes. tongue. But to me, the journey of food isn't just the experience in the mouth. Like, how am I feeling an hour after I eat? How am mm -hmm. I feeling the next day? How is it leaving my body? Mm -hmm. That's the whole meal. So it's sort of that 24-hour cycle. Although some people don't clear out the meals for like 72 hours. But there's a thing, right? Maybe that's not the right food. What aging symptoms would you say that are maligned by our culture that are actually symptoms of a health problem that we do need to address? Well, you know, I don't think melasma or hyperpigmentation is an issue. However, I think it's speaking to the quality of the melanocyte layer, mm -hmm. which is like the fourth layer down in that there's the top layer of the skin, the top layer of the epidermis, and it's the stratum corneum is the top. And then the basal layers at the bottom, then we've got the melanocyte layer. But anyway, that layer is so thin, but it can give you signs, right? Or, you know, a mole's not a problem, but it can eventually be. So you want to know those kind of things. But things like any outbreak on the skin, like, I mean, like an eczema or psoriasis or rosacea, those are just telling you of other underlying things. So I think anything that's coming up with the skin is just, it's not necessarily with aging, but it can give you clues to other things going on in your skin, like with digestion or that kind of thing. But basically you want to keep your blood sugar at an optimal level. Cause to me, like blood sugar being high and we're a, like a nation of high blood sugar, oh. that is the beginning of inflammation and aging systems and glycation. So really we want to look at things that take care of the mitochondria, mm -hmm. which is inside the cell. It's a very key part of the cell. And so I talk about it actually in the breast health chapter, when we want to think of things like mitochondrial medicine, because if we take care of the mitochondria, we take care of everything. And so like, even there's been a study in the past year that shows if you take healthy mitochondria and you put it in a Petri dish with cancer cells, those cancer cells will not proliferate. 
if you put unhealthy mitochondria in a petri dish with cancer, it will proliferate. So we think of the cell proliferation of the cancer, but really it's a secondary symptom. Oh, wow. Right. Cause we, you know, even when we think we've got to the root cause, sometimes it's like, you got to go deeper and deeper. So when you're using like, you know, pure products like jojoba and essential oils and olive oil and all that good stuff to take care of your skin, you're taking care of the mitochondria. You're literally like so the monoterpenes that are in all essential oils literally help the body and the systems like the limoline that's in citrus oils literally shows to help prevent breast cancer. There's a more scientific explanation in my book. So things like sandalwood frankincense, there's studies that show that it stops cells from going down a malvolent pathway and helps to reorganize abnormal cells. You know, it's not just like getting moisture on the skin and like trying to, it's like what we're putting on our skin. It can harm us. It could be kind of neutral or it can be like a whole part of the whole fun of it and the whole health of it. And I think that's really key. That's so inspiring. And you mentioned the blood sugar and I wonder if you just touch on that just a little bit, because I've recently learned that that's the key to so many things. And people think, you know, you go to the doctor once a year and they prick you and they tell you you're either normal or not, but there's so much in there. Oh yeah. You should get the number because that normal range, it gets raised. Uh, Dr. Perlmutter has some good books that are great for exploring that. And I feel like since I've really balanced my blood sugar too, which has been for years, it's such an even keel experience and you're just directed through hunger, not through cravings. Are there any of your products that you feel like are particularly blood sugar stabilizing or is it just overall? Yeah, it's overall. It's no, it's just because they're good for health. I mean, cinnamon is said to help, but that's really about what you're putting in your, like that's literally food. So Nadine, just going back a little bit. I know that you've mentioned many products that you use, but what are some of the products that you're most proud of, of creating? Because you really have like birthed these things into the world. And so what are some of the ones that you're like really proud of? Well, I love the ones you mentioned because those are some real classics, like the poetic pits. They're so unique and really they're sort of, I mean, they're just as juicy as and exquisite as like a perfume or cologne. Like you've got really fine, fine things in there. They're so concentrated. And then the happy gumdrops and the whole oral care line, because that was, it's just so revolutionary. Mm -hmm. There is more skincare companies slowly coming into the oral care realm, especially since we've had the quarantine year. Mm -hmm. And it's like, so all these are coming, like treat your mouth more like a spa. And it's like, wow, we were doing that decade ago. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just so revolutionary because it's like, you know, it just helps so many people. Mm -hmm. And so I love our oral care line. And then, you know, the best skin ever have also been pretty revolutionary because people aren't washing their face with soap anymore, which can really, those foaming cleansers can really start a vicious cycle. And just to see people like, you know, after decades of cystic acne or women saying, oh my God, I don't have to wear a foundation when I leave the house. And I feel more confident you know, so many emails about confidence is just, I love that. So Nadine, what does the good dirt mean to you? Well, to me, that's like the whole microbiome. Yeah. 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 (laughs) And like the the good dirt, the healthy dirt, the topsoil that we need. And I feel like the topsoil is a good metaphor for the microbiome in our body because our microbiomes like our soil And we need healthy soil with diverse microbes in it, you know, like in our guts and that kind of thing. And that's what our soil needs now as well. So to me, the good dirt is about, yeah, good dirt, like getting your hands in the garden, you know, like all that stuff. And these processed foods and the chemicals and all of the products and all that kind of thing actually are harmful to the good dirt of our bodies. Yeah. Like for me, when my little guy was little, it's like if something dropped on an airport floor or something, oh my God. Right. Like that needs to be sterilized. Drop it on our beach or in the garden or on the dirt. Just who cares? Or if Leaf picked up a rock and like, you know, sucked on it or something, it's like, great. (laughs) That's the good dirt. Is there anything else that you want to share with our audience or is there anything that you would most want listeners to understand about the work that you do? Well, I feel like if you're learning this or it's all new or you're thinking, oh my God, 
the deodorant and the aluminum and the soap and blah, blah. it's just like, just know that it can be easy and it can be fun. And it's, you know, I'm not here to give information that makes you feel more constricted in your body, mm-hmm. but hopefully, you know, information and knowledge that can really like expand your relationship with yourself and to the world. Well, and let's hear you say where people can find you and how they can engage with living libations and all yeah, those good things. For sure. Well, we've got livinglibations.com and yeah, seriously, like you can email us any question. We hopefully will send you in the right direction or we'll know something and like, dental skin, beauty health. And then we also do consults that are just free with Joy or Tina, they're both so lovely. And so many people have, and that, who knew that was going to be such a fun activity for quarantine, even though, I mean, we've been doing it for years, but we had like whole families go on calls or like mothers and daughters or best friends, bridal parties. It's just been so much fun. Oh, that's so fun. Oh my gosh. Thank you for telling us about that. So thank you so much for joining yeah, us today, Nadine. Thank you. I'm just thank really you. love talking to you and I've been wanting to talk to you for a while and Today, my wish came true. So thank you (laughs) so much. It's been a pleasure. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Thank you. That was so inspiring, Nadine. Oh, we appreciate your being here with us today so much. And as a little follow-up, I wanted to tell what happened with the gumdrops and the mouthwash. As it turns out, my husband did use the gumdrops in place of the large bottle of mouthwash in the plastic container that he's used for so many years. And he liked it a lot. So we've now transitioned to that. So that's a great step in the right direction. Wow, that's fun. I hadn't heard that yet. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So thank you, Living Libations. We've so enjoyed your products. We so enjoyed getting to know Nadine and listening to her story and talking to her today. Yes. And if this is your first time here, welcome. We are Lady Farmer. You can find us online at ladyfarmer.com or on Instagram at wearladyfarmer. We have new episodes every Friday and we will see you next week. Bye, everybody. Goodbye.